Anyway, uh, thanks again for allowing me to come in tonight. I want it to be more interactive, okay? I want it to be more interactive. I want everybody to really pay attention because this is very important. And, and I'm going to also be asking you questions, and I'm going to get you guys to read some Scripture because I don't want to be up here just lecturing the whole time. I want this to be something that really uh, that you can grab a hold of, just like uh, Joseph shared just a few minutes about what it means to be justified. That's very important. That's important that that sinks within your being like Joseph was talking about and that you're able to answer someone when they ask you, what does it mean to be justified? And so you could ask somebody, or when somebody asks you that, you would be able to, to share that. That's really important. And at your age, you know, if you're in Christ and you start learning these, these very important truths of God's Word and what it means to be justified, studying again tonight what it means to be sanctified and set apart by Christ, that helps you in your growth and your interaction with other people because God wants to use you and He absolutely um, wants you to uh, represent Christ in all you do and say and think. So with that said, let's look at the first slide. So we talked about this last week. Sanctification is the process by which a genuine believer in Jesus Christ increasingly becomes more Christ-like in their character, in their mindset, their vocabulary, which in other words, the way you speak, the things that proceed from your mouth, and your actions. So if you'll just kind of let that sink in, you know, sanctification is a big deal because your character is who you are. And your mindset is the things that you're thinking about on a continual basis and what you're putting in your mind and what's what you put in your mind and what you put, that's what's going to come out of your, what's going to come out of your mouth. So the vocabulary uh, is very important. You know, we don't speak like people that are in the world. We're different. And, and that manifests or reveals itself in our actions. You know, what we do. So really, that's, I'm sure you could expand that definition, but that's a definition that I kind of, just after studying, I felt like would be good for you guys to try to grab hold of and maybe get some practical uh, application out of it. We talked about a few minutes ago, it begins, although it was determined before God created the universe, it actually, in a practical standpoint, it begins at the point that you're saved, at the point that you truly trust and believe that Jesus Christ is who He said He was, that He's Lord that He came without sin, that He was born of a virgin, and that He suffered and died, and He was crucified. And He rose from the dead the third day, and He ascended into heaven. He seated at the right hand of the Father. And so there came a point in time where this wasn't just something that you accepted the facts about. This was something that you really, that God opened your eyes and your ears, and you believed these things to be true. And when you did that, it caused you to repent. You recognized that you were a sinner. And you knew you needed a Savior. And so there has to be a point in time when you do that. When, when God, and, and this is a work that God does. But we do respond in belief by faith through grace, just like what Joseph had said. So let's move to the next slide. 
Um, this is just a few things about sanctification. And, and I think this is important because sanctification, and I kind of tried to touch on this last week, it's not just us doing a bunch of good works. It's God working through us by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And so that is so important that you understand that it's God doing the work and it's the Holy Spirit working through you, Christ working through you. Um, I think this statement is very important. Genuine saving faith brings forth fruit in the believer's life. It's kind of a simple statement, but it's very important. We're going to talk a good bit tonight about that fruit and what it is. And so we see, I mean, you can examine the Word of God and all throughout the Scriptures in the Word of God, you will see that these references are continual about this truth of Christians bearing fruit. So that's very important that we uh, grab hold of that. And I want you guys to kind of get your mindset on what it means to bear fruit. Um, I know not too long ago, I believe Josh, when he was teaching or preaching, he, he, I believe he mentioned the parable of the sower. And so you can look throughout the Gospels and you'll see when Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, he was very clear. That's one of the parables that there's no doubt that we know what Christ meant when he told that parable because the disciples asked him what it meant. And so he went through very specifically what it meant. And when he said, um, when his explanation to the disciples, he says, those who hear God's Word and receive it will bear fruit. This was not optional. So when, when Christ said, when He talked about the sower, and when He talked about bearing fruit, um, He said, um, you know, He gave those categories in the, the, the seed that fell by the wayside. Were those believers? No, they weren't. What about the seed that grew up and uh, the weeds choked it out? Was that saving faith? Which category, the only category that was true saving faith were the ones who bear fruit, right? So keep that in mind that you don't believe for a while and then you quit believing. No, you remain in the faith. And throughout the New Testament, throughout the epistles and throughout the Gospels, we see that Christians bear fruit. And so tonight we're going to, this first part, we're going to look at what it really means to bear fruit. Let's look at the next slide. So here's some other Scripture in that same uh, section where Jesus Christ gives the parable of the sower. Uh, can I get someone to read John 15, 8? You can read it from... Go ahead. Okay. And then someone... Next verse. Go ahead. Okay, good. So here's Christ Himself talking about bearing fruit. Um, and when we do bear fruit, He says that my Father is glorified. And then He didn't say that this is... He said that you will bear fruit. And so this is not something that, that we do on our own. You know, this is something that God, God is doing through us. Let's look, look at the next slide. 
Okay. Can I get someone to, that's a lot of scripture, and we're going to have a lot of scripture tonight, but we're going to, we're going to let you guys kind of, we're going to go through in a minute, we're going to break some of this down, but could you go ahead and read Colossians 1, 3 through 6. Thank you. Good job. You know, I highlighted that one section because, you know, a lot of times you can read verses and you just kind of, you don't really pay that much attention to it. This was one that I just discovered recently that I had not really um, paid a lot of attention to, but especially that verse 6. You know, after you hear the Gospel... You know, and that's what he's talking about. There was a report about new believers. And so, and he says, you know, uh, this gospel, this truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. The gospel brings forth fruit. Okay? There's purpose when you go forth and you share the gospel with someone, it has, it has an effect. Uh, and, and we don't know. We don't know who the Holy Spirit is drawing. We don't know who God has, has, um, has chosen. We don't know that. So we preach the Gospel. We proclaim the Gospel to everyone. And it has purpose. I'm sure you guys have heard the verse where it talks about Jesus, or where the Word of God says that my Word does not return void. So in other words, whatever. It could be for conviction. It could be for encouragement. It could be... Um, a number of things, but it has purpose. It doesn't go forth, just like we're reading God's Word tonight, we're looking at God's Word. It has purpose. It's very powerful. And it's not something to take lightly at all. But it says that it brings forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it. Okay, so from the time that you really hear the Gospel, receive the Gospel, believe the Gospel, indwell the Spirit, that's what happens, we talked a lot about that, then you are going to bear fruit. Let's look at the next section of Scripture. Who would read these verses? Go ahead, buddy. Okay, good. So, same chapter here in Colossians. Um, you know, we, we looked at some prayers last week in Ephesians and how important those prayers are um, and we can model our prayer life from the prayers that are in the Scriptures. Those are very valuable. Oftentimes, we see the Apostle Paul praying for the church and praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of His will. You want to walk worthy? You want to live a life that brings honor and glory to the Lord? Then pray. Pray for your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for your family. Pray for other people. Ask God to fill you with His wisdom and His knowledge. And He will. 
That honors the Lord. And, and why? Why do we want to know? Why do we want to be filled with the knowledge of His will? That we may walk worthy. And when it says walk in the Bible, you guys know that means how we live our life, how we conduct our life. God wants you to be different. We talked about sanctified means set apart. You're not like everybody else. You're a child of the Most High God. You've been set apart and God chose you before the foundation of the earth to save you and to work through you so that you would bear fruit and that others might see the glory of Christ. It's not to exalt you and make you look good. No, it's just that people will see that you're different in the way that you act, your character, your vocabulary, those things that, those points that we looked at. You're going to be different. If you're not and you look just like your friends that are not saved and you do the things that they do and you say the things that they say and it does, it's not offensive to you, then you might want to do what Scripture says, which is what? Who can, I know Joseph knows this verse. What, what are we supposed to do to see if we're in the faith? Yeah. So what does it mean to examine yourself? Take an inventory. Look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Does it represent what God says a believer is? That's examining yourself to see if you're in the faith. That's a healthy thing that we should do from the time we trusted Christ for the rest of our life. I do that. You know, I'm sure everybody in here that's a believer at some point, you really need to examine yourself to make certain that you're in the faith. We know that this is something that we can't lose, but, but we want to make sure that we're continually doing the things that God's called us to do, that we're convicted of sin, that we are loving our brethren, that we're keeping the commandments. You know, those characteristics and those traits of what the Scriptures say is a true believer. Let's look at the next slide. Who will, who will read Romans 7.4? Go ahead, buddy. Brethren. Okay, good. So, we've looked at a lot of verses that talk about bearing fruit. So, what is this fruit that we're talking about? Are you going to grow an orange or an apple or a strawberry? <laughs> I don't think so. So anyway, when the Bible says fruit, let, let's look at some Scripture now. In this next part of the lesson here and really throughout until, until we end, and I'll try not to go as long. I kind of felt like losing you all a little bit last week. I get to lecturing sometimes. You all know that? You do now, don't you? Um, it's going to be more of us breaking down some Scripture. So let's look at the next slide. Who will read those verses? Galatians 5, 22 through 25. All right, this kind of cuts to the chase. This is a pretty very specific 
um, section of Scripture that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So if you just think about it in, a, in the sense of, you know, I pounded last week on what it truly meant to be indwelt by God's Spirit. That that's really what separates you and makes you different because you're in the body of Christ. You're actually in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. And He's in the Father. So we're in God. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're part of His body. Every single one of you that has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as, as who He is, He's Lord and Savior, and, and you've put your faith in Him, you become part of this living organism. And He gives you His Spirit. He gave you the Comforter. And so, so this tells us specifically what it is. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Just, this is just for discussion. What comes to mind when you think about that word love? Anybody, even leaders? Yeah, what do you think, Josh? You think that's the. It's, yeah. Yeah. Love some if you love someone, sometimes like you said, you got you got to tell them the truth, and so you know you don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed to tell people about Christ. You don't want to be ashamed, you know, of the gospel. You know, you want to be if if you truly love people, then you're con, then you're concerned about their souls. You're concerned that they may die, and they're, and if they do without Christ, they're going to burn in hell for eternity. That's a tough hard reality and truth. But if God's given you that truth and you know that's real, then yeah, if you really love somebody, you'll share the Gospel with your, with your lost friends. Uh, joy. What is joy? Happiness. happiness. I think it is. I think it's a form of happiness. Can you have joy and not be happy though, you think? Give me an example. That's right. What about you, Joseph? What would be your definition? Now, I didn't look up all these words. This is just for discussion purposes. I didn't look at the Greek, you know. But what, what, when you think about joy, and I think about joy unspeakable, you know, that song. And does Jesus want our joy to be full? Does He want us to have joy? Absolutely. He says, he says that. I want your joy to be full. God's desire. But see, this, this is fruit of the Spirit. What about peace? What is peace? Peace. 
I'm, 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 I'm deaf in this ear and I can't hear out of this other one. No confidence? No confidence. No conflict. Yeah. What else? Anybody else? You know, when I think about peace, I know that God gives us peace in our hearts knowing that the, no matter the circumstances that are going on, that we, we've been justified. You know, just like what Joseph said, no matter what happens, you know, we are a child of the Most High God. So that peace, we're peacemakers. You know, we don't go create conflict. Like you mentioned, con- it's the opposite of conflict. So we're peacemakers and we want to, not that we conform to others, but we're true believers are peacemakers. Uh, long-suffering. I think that would be translated as maybe patience. And so, who's, who's a very patient person? Raise their hand. Are you? That's good. <laughs> when you see a believer growing in Christ, you'll notice that they become more and more patient. Kindness. I mean, what a characteristic that is just absolutely so awesome to be around people that are kind. You know, and, when, and people know that you're different if you're just, you're kind. And uh, that's, that's what God does. Uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Somebody tell me what self-control means. Your definition of what it means to have self-control. How about you, Brad? Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead, man. Good. Controlling your emotions, your actions. I'm sorry, I can't hear you, buddy. Okay, I heard that, Bethany. Yeah, that's right. How about you, Brad? What when you think about about self control, what what would you give an example of a believer that has self control? So when somebody pulls in front of you, you know, and you almost wreck and you slam on the horn and they flip you off, then you just smile at them and say, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, that was very good. So, verse 24, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does it mean to crucify the flesh? Put to death? Yeah. So let me ask you this. As a Christian, are there things that we are to crucify and put to death? Absolutely. We're going to look at some of those. Man, I'll tell you what, if I don't get to moving, then we're really... I'm going to finish on time tonight. Um, so yeah so when God 
is working in your heart and changing you and you have these convictions and these characteristics. We looked at a lot of godly characteristics, but you know what? As we move on, we'll see some things that are not godly. The types of character who represented who you were before you were in Christ. And so part of being a Christian is crucifying or put to de- putting to death those things that that identified who we were. And we replace those with who God says we are now and Him working through us. And it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So when again, when it says walk in the Spirit, it means the way we conduct our life, the way we live our life, by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. Let's look at the next section of Scripture. These are just a few bullet points right here. When we looked at that list of the fruit of the Spirit there, really when I, when I think about those, I think about this is, this is God's... Uh, this is the character of God, really. When, we're, when we look at love and peace and joy and kindness and meekness and patience and self-control, these are, these are attributes... Uh, or characteristics that are characteristic of God. But see, since you're born again, and you got God's Spirit in you now, and, and that Spirit is changing you and you're growing, then your life, you start developing these same characteristics that God has. And so, and, and like I said earlier, this is not to make you prideful and exalted and look like this great guy or this great girl or this great young man or young woman. No, it's to, it's to show who God is. Because see, God's using you and growing you up in Him so that others might see Christ in you. And say, what is this girl? Why is she so different? How did she not get mad when so-and-so said this? How did she not do so-and-so? Or why doesn't she go out and drink and smoke pot, dope, whatever y'all call it now. <laughs> you know? I'm an old man. Y'all know that. Um, but your life is different. So you're, you're becoming more Christ-like in your behavior. And really, not just your behavior and your thought life. Just like Brad alluded to, you know, everything, even what your thought life. See, God sees... Even your thoughts. You can't think anything that God doesn't already know. You can sin in your mind. Y'all know that? You know, the Bible says if you lust after a woman or you lust after a man and you do that in your heart, then you've sinned in front of God's eyes. And that's pretty heavy duty, high calling, isn't it? So thank God we serve one who's paid the price in full for your sin. Doesn't mean that you're not going to sin, but as you're being sanctified, hopefully you're sinning less. And your character is becoming more and more godlike in, in everything you do or say. And this is that process that lasts the rest of your life. Um, let's look at the next slide. So, who will read 2 Peter 1 5 through 8? Go ahead, buddy.
<clears throat> I love this section of scripture because, and, and when I look at this, and you know, Josh asking me to teach on this huge, broad subject that I could probably spend the rest of my life preparing for, <laughs> but um, when I came across, you know, I love Second Peter. You know, I love the epistles. I just want to check y'all's knowledge here. Who can tell me what an epistle is? What's an epistle? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but but what? A letter to one of the churches from an apostle. You are the man, actually. That's that's good. But yeah, it's a letter. <laughs> it's, it's good, but well, I mean, I guess, I guess the apostles wrote all the epistles, didn't they? Maybe we don't know some of the authors. We don't know Hebrews. Yeah, that's true. And Jude. Who wrote Jude? Okay, so there's some of them are that's pretty dang close. But um, but anyway, yeah, they were letters that were written to the churches, the first churches in the first century, and they were circulated to these churches. Read the epistles. Read these these letters. They're books in the Bible, but they're really letters, and they apply to us and they tell us how we ought to live until He returns. You cannot. You cannot spend too much time in the epistles. So this, the Apostle Peter that wrote this, you know, he's saying here that we're active in this process of sanctification. So he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And so he has this process. Your faith is what? What is your faith? In simplified terms, what's the gospel? Exactly. So that's the faith. That's what you trust in. So you're saved. But he's saying that we add these things to our faith. And he's saying, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is righteousness. It's holiness. It's living in a way God has called you to be holy. He's called you to be different. And so he's saying, okay, you're saved. Give all diligence. In other words, be very diligent. This is something that's serious. You've got to work hard here. Be diligent to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Where does the knowledge come from? From God's Word. Paul prayed that we would, we just read earlier, that we would have a desire in this spiritual understanding, this in-depth knowledge of God's truth and how He wants you to live. Uh, to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, Brad, self-control. Self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, love. So you see all these things being repeated? You know, that's what's cool when you really start studying God's Word and you're like, oh man, it says this over here in 1 John. And then you go to the Gospel of John and you see this. Or, you know, Paul when he wrote Ephesians and then you compare it with Colossians. Man, there's a lot of the same language there. And oh, look at this prayer in Colossians and the one in Ephesians. And, and you start connecting things. You start seeing how God's working and these, these themes are, are presented over and over again 
And we're reminded of certain things that we already know, but we need to be reminded of those things. But that last verse, tell me somebody what you think that, based on the first few verses there, what does the last verse mean? Or what conclusion can we draw from that last verse based on the, the first three? Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, I think it's saying that you, know, you will be abundant in these things if you do have like, food. You know, you're, not, you're not bearing the fruit because you've been distributed as a Exactly. So what if you're not, what if these things are not represented in your life? Then what does it mean? It means you're barren. It means you're barren. Yeah, so that's exactly right. It's very good. So evidently, these are important to the Lord or they would not be in His Word. Let's look at the next uh, Colossians 3. Now, we got 17 verses in Colossians and we got some verses in Romans and a few points and, and we'll be done. But uh, this is very heavy duty. And, and this, is, this is awesome though. And so I want you guys, I want this to sink in. I want you guys to read God's Word on your own and study it. Meditate on it. If you want to be set apart and you want to live for the Lord, you've got to be in His Word. I know you get you hear that a lot, but it, it's so true. So who will read those first six verses? Go ahead, buddy. Very good. And man, you got such a great voice. And I can hear it. It was really good. So, <clears throat> any comments on these verses? What we just talked about putting off, right? Or what was the verse, crucify the flesh? You know, so doesn't this kind of go right along with it? If we're to crucify the flesh, this is worded in another way to put off all these things. So, in other words, these things that are in your life anger, um, let's see, yeah. What did you just do? Okay. Okay. I, I, so I got you. So you're get you. Yeah, you messed me up, man. It's okay. So, um, what does it mean to seek those things which are above? What's that mean? Godly things. Yeah, those should be the most important things in your life. Not Auburn basketball game that plays Vanderbilt at eight o'clock tonight. Did y'all know that? 
It's not really important in the grand scheme of things, is it? But, so you're supposed to seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. What an important verse. What, what does that mean to you, Joseph? Setting your mind on things above. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Ever thought about that? You know, there's a, there's a verse in 1 John that's kind of a parallel to that. It says, We do not yet know what He shall be like, but we know that when He shall appear, that we shall be like Him. Because we're going to be in a glorified body, in a glorified state when Christ returns. So, you know, we are in Christ. That's what you guys I want in these two sessions to realize that you are different because you have God's Spirit. God set you apart. This is a lifelong thing that you're going to be going through. But these deep truths, just like Joseph just shared there, you know, getting your mind set on Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. All this other stuff, that doesn't mean you can't do a good job if you have a job or love your family or do the things that God's got you here to do but you don't put the significance of those things are not nearly as important as Auburn basketball. You know? Um, so we talked about putting to death that character that represented who you were before you got saved. If you're saved, if you're not saved, you really you, you need to Take a look at this lesson of sanctification and say, well, man, that doesn't look like me. Okay, well, that's good if you're seeing that. Because maybe God has just now bringing you to the point in your life to where you understand that God's kind of opening your eyes and your ears and you're, and you're seeing that this gospel thing is true and that you, you repent, turn away from that behavior that represented who you were and you turn to the one who paid the price in full. Verse 6, for believers, that's pretty serious. Because if you participate in these things that you know are sin in your life, and it, it says because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. You know, if you, if you can sin freely and, not, and you're not disciplined by the Lord, that's a problem. If you can sin and, and not feel any conviction at all or any remorse, and then God is not just wearing you out, that's a problem. might want to examine yourself. Because just as Joseph wears those boys' butts out, or he used to, and probably still does, you know, I used to just whip my kids every night, just whip them soundly, send them to bed. Because, you know, hey, if they didn't, if the, you know, I'm sure they deserved it. So, you know. Morning, so 
<laughs> exactly. And you know what? This is, the, this is what I always told my kids before I whipped them. Listen, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. Just kidding. Let's move to the next Scripture. Okay, so this is where you jump me ahead. Who's going to read these verses? Go ahead. Go, Joseph. Amen. So, same thing. We're talking about putting off these, you know, and there's another reminder of who you were before and these this characteristics that you had before and, and putting these off and then putting on the new man. Let's go to the next verses. Go ahead, Joseph. Next slide, please. Go ahead and finish it, Joseph. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father for you. You know, there's enough in that 17 verses right there to keep you busy for the rest of your life. Okay? So you want to live for the Lord? How about memorizing Colossians chapter 3? And not just memorizing it, meditating on it, and putting it in you, and being obedient to what it says. You want to be sanctified and set apart by the Lord? That'd be a good start right there. Let's move on to the next slide. I'll read this, these verses here. These are ones, I think it's just verses 1 and 2, not 1 through 3, but I beseech you, which means I beg of you. That's what that means when the Apostle Paul wrote this. I beseech you, or I beg of you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, that means that that's, this is just what you're supposed to do. So, Jesus gave His life for you, right? So what is He requiring that you do for Him? Give your life to Him. That's what this says. I beg of you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, Christ gave Himself to you freely. And He's commanding you. This is not a suggestion here. 
by the Apostle Paul. Holy Spirit working through the Apostle Paul. This isn't just like, hey, you know, uh, Jesus gave His life. Uh, you know, would you consider giving your life to Him? No. He's saying this is a command and this is just a what, what you're supposed to do. So how do we do that? This is a couple of verses of Scripture that if you just concentrate on the last few things that we went over, you want to be set apart, be obedient to Colossians chapter 3, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't live like the world lives. You're different. So you don't live like the world. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? We're doing it tonight. We're looking at the Word of God and it transforms our mind. It changes the way that we think. We have God's Spirit and God's Spirit transforms our mind. We have the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says. We have the mind of Christ. So being obedient to not looking like the world, putting off those things that was your, your old character, and being transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may know or you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what God's will is? That's all you got to do. Don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind through God's Word. And you'll be living your life for Him. Next slide. And the last one. And I want to end it with this, guys. Um, you know, these are just a few things. What can you do that's practical as far as living your life for the Lord? Pray. Pray continually. You know, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. So that means never stop praying. Your mindset ought to be in a continual prayer for others, for your family, for your friends, for people who are lost, for yourself. Pray continually. Pray that the Lord would set you apart. Read. Study. Meditate. Memorize. It's important, y'all. The Word. It's the Word that changes you. And then, obey God's Word and act upon those convictions. So, you know, when you pick it up, you read one of the epistles, and the Holy Spirit convicts you then and, and says, hey, you can't do that. You know that's wrong. And that's the Spirit of God working through you saying, no, that's not who you are. Remember, I said be holy as I'm holy. So you need to put that aside. So you act upon your convictions. Obey what God's Word says. He'll help you. He gave you His Spirit. So He gave you the, the Holy Spirit that will help you. Guard your eyes and your ears and be sensitive to. Okay? You got to be sensitive. That's what this book does. It makes you sensitive to the things that are triggers that cause you to sin. You're going to sin. I'm not giving you a permission to go out and do it, but you're going to sin. But you got to know what those triggers are that cause you to fall in sin. If it's looking on your phone and looking in an area that you know you shouldn't be looking, then put it away. Put it aside. Don't do it. You know, God 
will give you a way out of every temptation. That's what the Bible says. Every temptation, the Lord will provide a way out. But you've got to be looking for that way out. But you have to guard your eyes. You have to be careful what you hear. I was at the gym this morning. I went to the gym. And, you know, they were playing some music. And, and nobody's there working there. And I mean, it was pretty rough, y'all. I mean, it was rough. And I told this lady, this old lady that works out there, you know, I was like, did you hear that? I don't think she was listening to it. I was like, I can't listen to it anymore. So I went over there to the computer and I just shut it down, man. It was just like silent in the gym. There weren't many people there, but it was, it was, it was offensive to me because I was hearing some language that I didn't want to hear. You know, and you're going to hear cussing, but you know, there's certain things that are vulgar. You don't need to listen to that. So you need to guard what you hear and, and know what those triggers are that might cause you to stumble and might cause you to fall. Identify those things in your life that are things that are negative, that, that hurt you in your walk with the Lord. And then most importantly, and I love my brother Joseph because I've learned a lot from him about worship. And it's not just the music he plays. You know, that attitude of worship should be every moment. You know, setting your mind on Jesus Christ that's seated at the right hand of the Father, realizing that you're set apart and you're different. But worship the One who saved you and rest in Him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You again for the opportunity just to share my heart with... uh, these young people, Lord. And I just pray, God, that Your Spirit would work diligently in each of them. I pray, Lord, that You uh, might be glorified in these young people examining very closely uh, Your Word and what it means to be set apart and to be sanctified. Lord, we know You are the One that does the work. We know that You've given us Your Spirit and You've strengthened us by Your Holy Spirit that You promised to renew our mind, to change the way that we think and the way we act, and that our character would be different. Lord, we just thank You that You're a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness and a God of grace. And I just pray Your grace would be upon every one of these young people. And Lord, that they would just live their life set apart and uh, sanctified to bring You honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.